We hear the good news from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. One day, Jesus got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they put out, and while they were sailing, he fell asleep. A gale swept down on the lake, and the boat was filling with water, and they were in danger. They went to him and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're perishing! Jesus woke up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. They ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? They were afraid and amazed and said to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water? And they obey him. The gospel of our Lord. I invite you all to be seated. So I work with, uh, as my title is, Director for Evangelical Mission, I work with all new starts, and I want to thank you for your hand, uh, St. Mark's Lutheran Church, in your hand in um, supporting the new starts that I get to be a part of. My soul is made by the women of Sharing Faith Bible Study at um, the Washington Correction Center for Women. And you have had a hand in starting what is known as Empowering Life Lutheran Worship there. Um, it was started, uh, and the mission developer is your very own Joan Nelson and a team of volunteers from St. Mark's, and now it is a synod-wide recognized um, worshiping community. And so I want to thank you for your hand in uh, making sure that the gospel is proclaimed by um, and in the midst of uh, the Washington Correction Center for Women, a talented group of women. It's the, it's a, it's the stole I have that most aptly uh, connects with God's theme of creation, or the theme of creation we have today, right? Also, I want to thank you for supporting Rock City. Uh, part of your capital campaign has connected with the Synod's capital campaign, and your work supports Rock City and the work of Pastor Annie Jones-Barnes, who's anticipating her ordination into the ELCA on October 19th. So thank you for supporting that ministry through your generosity. So when I moved to Washington, I came from South Dakota. I grew up in the Midwest. And um, in 2013, there was a huge snowstorm. Remember it? It involved ice. It was pretty nasty. I think school was canceled for a week. Thank God we had just been to Costco as a family. Um, But Minnesota girl that I, I, I am or was, when I grew up and there were storms, I would go skiing on the river, to a friend's house, it'd be a reason to partay with my girlfriends. But, uh, so when uh, Monday of that storm hit, I was supposed to have a meeting in Renton at Luther's Table, and a colleague of mine from Chicago called, and I was pretty new here, I've been here a few years, and he says, Melanie, tell me about the weather. I've been advised not to come, and I'm like, you're going to let a little snow slow you down? Well, Reuben Duran flew here, and he went to our meeting, and there was hardly anyone at our meeting. Um, and all, there were supposed to be mission developers for Northwest Washington Synod, and they claimed they couldn't even get out their front driveway and down the hill to get there because of the ice. But I got there, and I was thinking, little storm, right? But then Reuben, my colleague, got stuck in his hotel, not for one night, not for two, but for a week. And he couldn't go anywhere, and he told me he caught up on emails like never before, but even the hotel he was in ran out of food. He's never since asked me any advice regarding weather. (laughs) And so I tell you this because it was my wake-up story that snow 
and cold in the Pacific Northwest means something different than it does in the prairies of Mankato, Minnesota. Just saying. So um, I learned that, uh, you know, the hills and the wet uh, make for all sorts of scary conditions. I was out playing in the snow with my kids and saw a tree fall down. Never seen something like that happen as a result of snow. So storms here, I learned to wake up. And the importance of storms. And uh, noticing that in a different terrain, storms mean something different. In today's gospel story, there's also a wake-up story. The disciples waking up Jesus, right? This connects with this season of creation theme about storms. I can't help but think of all the storms that have been occurring in recent years. Uh, And in some way, we are waking up to the power of storms that are happening in an increasing rate and increasing dimensions. In 2013, there was a Bill Moyers report uh, with uh, Anthony Lieserwitz, who is a Yale scientist, and he talked that in, about how in 2011 there were so many catastrophic events, weather-related storms. There were 14 individual-related climate and weather-related disaster that cost our country over $1 billion apiece. And that was in 2011. Think of the storms that we've had since then. When the stakes are high, we call such catastrophic events hurricanes or floods. We call them what? What does the news reporters often call them? Acts of God, right. But are they really acts of God? Or are they human-related, human-induced climate change realities? Eco- Theologian Cynthia Molibita came to our synod last winter to talk to us about the effects of climate change and our responsibility as, uh, as Christians to love our neighbor by how we react to climate changes. She calls it systemic evil that enlists over-consuming class of society in its never-ending greed for more at the cost of untold suffering of billions across the planet. Cynthia Mobilita points out how many of the storms are in fact caused by our human consumption of the Earth's resources that are taking a toll and causing global warming, melting at ever-increasing rates of our glaciers, water levels to rise. What do you suppose Jesus is calling us to wake up to? At a time when our little boat, the planet Earth, is more threatened than it has ever been by a storm of our own making, the question for us in today's gospel lesson is, who is it that's sleeping? Is it Jesus? Is it God who's sleeping? Or are we the ones who are sleeping? Are we crying in the midst of the storms for Jesus to wake up and do something about it? Or are we waking up to our own realization 
that our purchases and our choices of energy sources are connected with the storms that rage around us. Fred Craddock, in his commentary on Luke, says that today's gospel lesson is not about Jesus' power over nature. He says that the understanding of uh, this power over nature was not an ancient concept, but that the gospel writer Luke was likening this story um, and what Jesus was doing in it in calming the storm was very much uh, associated and like the exorcism that follows it. He says that in the ancient world there was no concept of Jesus in nature, that that belongs to the scientific age. But in ancient times and cultures, large bodies of waters were believed to abode, be the abode of evil spirits, which sometimes stirred up storms that threatened the lives of sailors. The book of Revelation echoes this belief, describing God's final triumph, and the sea was no more. So Jesus calming the storm is that it's one of the very few miracles that Jesus does that's only with the disciples. Most of the miracles that Jesus does um, are in the presence of disciples and others because the church is called to participate with Jesus in his ministry and mission in the world. But this is one of the few stories where Jesus is doing a miracle story just in the presence of the disciples. The usual posture of the church is serving others in Jesus' name, but here in this story, the church alone, the disciples alone, are the recipients of God's calming presence in their midst. And so in the midst of calming the storm, Jesus asks the disciples, where is your faith? He's not assuming that they don't have any. But he's speaking to them regarding what is the opposite of having faith, speaking to their fear. It almost appears that the disciples are more afraid after Jesus calms the storm than they are in the midst of it because they're filled with both awe and fear. Jesus doesn't want the disciples or us to be overwhelmed by fear or apathy. We might feel in any storm we find ourselves in. But see and trust that God's presence is with us. And so in the midst of the storms that rage, though Jesus may be the one who's called out to in the midst of this story as the disciples say, Master, Master, wake up. I think also in the story, Jesus is calling the disciples to wake up. Wake up from their sense of fear and distrust. Wake up to their role in what they are being called to do and what Jesus is preparing them for in the ministry that lays ahead. Jesus calls us to wake up. Wake up to our role in being a part of God's work of restoring creation. This takes place in our individual lives and how we speak to our children about uh, care of creation and our role in it. 
There's congregational implications. Emmanuel Lutheran Church down in Vancouver did a whole season of Lent around uh, themes of cleaning up um, and making their congregation greener. Um, they did all sorts of things and recycling, and, and they pretty much did away with using plastics within the congregation. Even in the plastic um, the garbage bags, they started lining them with different materials, so they had literally no plastics. Gloria Day Lutheran Church in Olympia likewise won a community award for their work in composting and recycling for the city of Olympia. When we work together, there is an impact we can have on the world, in our communities, in our lives. And it may just seem like, oh, there's just a person here or a congregation there that are doing things and doing what they can. But I'm reminded that about 18 years ago, PCUSA, the Presbyterian Church USA, did a boycott on Taco Bell. I know this because I had a friend who was a Presbyterian pastor, and we'd meet for lunch, and I'd say, where do you want to go for lunch? She'd say, anywhere but Taco Bell. I'm not allowed to eat there. Uh, and, uh, and, And it was because, at the time, of where Taco Bell's was resourcing its tomatoes and the use of... Uh, uh, humane, uh, the humanity, the ways that workers are treated in tomato fields. And so um, over time, my friend informed me that she was allowed to eat at Taco Bell again because uh, this giant corporation was influenced by 1.6 million people boycotting their restaurants. Similarly, PCUSA and United Methodist Church have worked together um, just a few years ago in doing the same thing with Wendy's. Imagine if we as the ELCA were much larger than either of those denominations, if we all worked together, think of the impact we could have on corporations and the industries to have more uh, creation-friendly practices if we put together our economic power. Morning shows a few weeks ago, I'm not sure if it was the Day Show or the Good Morning America show, uh, talked about how our environmental crisis has reached uh, an incredible alarming rates. They did very little to report on it, just how fast glaciers are melting and, and things like that, but they said it's not too late. Um, If we moved our diets from having meat-based diets to more plant-based diets, it's not too late to change things. And so in that, I hear some hope. Hope that God is still at work, stirring up possibilities for us to work together, to respond to find our role as the Christian church in caring for God's creation with one cry of the master in today's gospel lesson. The waves and wind calmed themselves in God's presence. Ultimately, the powers that think themselves to be greater than God will fall just as easily as the waves and winds did before the hand of Jesus in today's gospel lesson. And that, in the story, gives me hope. 
hope not to live in fear, but a sense of my role and responsibility to heed Christ's call, to wake up, to respond, to recognize that we are called to be part of God's ministry and mission in the world in reconciling all of creation to God's self. The fear that rages within us can also be calmed, that we may be stewards of God's creation. God has entrusted to our care. And so on this day, as we think about how the storms are raging, whatever storms we may find ourselves a part of or in the midst of, may we also recognize the one who is speaking to us in the midst of the storm. Where is your faith? Calling us to be reminded that indeed we have been given a great gift of faith that gives us hope and a sense of calm and Christ's presence with us in the midst of us, in the midst of the storms we face. We are not alone. God, through Christ, is there with us. And all the powers obey his voice. Amen. If you have prayer cards, you may hold them up as we sing and the ushers will gather them.